Hello and welcome to this Lloyd's List podcast. My name is Richard Clayton and I'm chief correspondent at Lloyd's List. Now there's an increasing buzz around artificial intelligence and machine learning. Over the past two years, uh, the shipping and logistics businesses have stopped writing them out in longhand and now talk openly about the application of AI and ML as tools in the digital toolbox. But I think there's a danger here. While some are happy to play at the foreground of advanced technologies, most people have enough on their plate already without having to learn a new language. So what's the current position of AI in shipping and logistics? How can it be used to improve operational efficiency? And in in what areas, what specific areas will it have the greatest impact? Joining me on this podcast to talk through their experience of AI and ML are Jason Augustin, head of the shipping and logistics business unit at WNS, and Thomas Haydorn, global head of operations and process transformation at ECU Worldwide. Jason is based in New York and Thomas in Hamburg. Gentlemen, welcome to both of you. I'd like to begin by asking about your own business and the impact you have seen AI make to the way your business uh, operates. Jason, can you begin by sharing a specific example of how AI implementation has helped to optimize supply chain management in shipping and logistics? Uh, Good afternoon, uh, Richard. Uh, Looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Absolutely. So, Uh, We look at uh, the problem statements coming to us from uh, our global customers, which are uh, shipping and logistics companies like uh, EQLINE. And one of the big problems that we first started implementing AI and ML algorithms to is the problem of documentation. Uh, It is a well-known fact that Uh, this industry, uh, while moving cargo from point A to point B, uh, generates an information uh, stroke paper trail, uh, which is quite significant. Uh, And as uh, cargo movements happen globally, it has to deal with all kinds of regulations, business rules, restrictions, uh, sanctions, and what have you. So that's the first place that we implemented uh, AI and ML uh, through a technology platform that we call Malcolm uh, that digitizes uh, the the shipping instructions and applies a myriad of business rules so that uh, the the human intervention for routine tasks can be minimized. Uh, So that's the first area that we have deployed. We've had six or seven implementation of uh, Malcolm on the trucking side, on the global logistics side, and it has had an effect of uh, improving productivity up to 50% from the traditional ways of uh, capturing uh, the documentation information. So that's the first one. Uh, We are expanding the role of that into more uh, work streams, uh, uh, particularly different areas of customer interface and I'd love to talk about that uh, as this conversation progresses. So thank you. What are the key challenges faced by businesses when they adopt AI technologies in these sectors and how can these challenges be overcome? 
The fundamental challenge, uh, Richard, is that of having uh, a normalized clean data set where you can train the AI and ML algorithms on. Uh, and, and that has been a problem that the industry has been grappling with as they uh, migrate from legacy systems to more modern platforms and in fact move into the cloud. So the first challenge that companies have to overcome is to serve up all that data uh, you know, on, on a data cloud on, you know, so that the algorithms of AI and ML can then be trained to generate insights and patterns and information from that. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure Thomas will uh, sympathize with this. It is an endless journey of companies uh, as they continue down the journey uh, and as they grow and expand and merge and acquire companies, uh, you know, they restart that effort again and again uh, as, you know, as they expand. Right. No. Tom, Richard, thanks very yeah, much Thomas, for, go on for, with that because uh, yeah. you know you've you've been at your your position for a year now. Um, how how have things developed in that year? Well, it's not that I'm inventing something. Uh, you know, I have joined in a, to a new position, but based on experience I take along being in the operations for so many years and going for you know sometimes less radical but nevertheless very steady development into technology use of technology. And I think we are just at the beginning of a, of a new area here. As Jason said, uh, access to data, having that clean and making it available to the use of machine learning. Um, that is probably one of the biggest uh, challenges going ahead. In the past, in particular in logistics, I could see, um, you know, legacy is that we entrust people and the complexity of our jobs to be done by very knowledgeable resources. But the complexity, the complexity of our business does increase. The complexity or the uh, the willingness to absorb all this and manage that well, um, it is um, an, an uphill battle. We have in logistics, particularly in the last couple of years, um, a certain lack of resources, both by uh, quantity and, and quality. So in order to stay ahead of our workflow and uh, to build a good experience for our customers, we have to settle in with new technology. And again, this is the beginning. I think we all have to take it ahead with a lot of investment, not only that we pay for IT, but as well, we need to rethink about our work processes a lot. So I asked Jason earlier where he saw the greatest implementation uh, potential. Mm. Um, answer the same question uh, for me, would you? I mean, where do you see the AI being used most of all in, in logistics? Well, I mean, we have, not that we have real use cases already, but the thinking is in the complexity of, of our customer portal in terms of certain patterns of bookings, uh, rating and pricing exercises we do, where we need to uh, match and compare different scenarios of building a routing that's in the complexity of our business model, moving LCL freight uh, across the globe. So the pricing thing is definitely one, but as well the the unnumbered rules and uh, regulation we have to follow in terms of um, uh, compliance, uh, statutory rules, uh, customs, etc., where there's a wealth of not always well structured information in place, where machine learning can help us to bring in the structure and build the use case available to our resources. 
Jason, where have you seen the most remarkable results already? And I appreciate we are at very early stages of AI. Um, what's caught your attention? So I think uh, Thomas is right uh, when he uh, when he says that it's still very early days. Uh, I think it would be a fallacy to believe that there's widespread deployment of AI uh, across the industry. So people are still creating use cases. But uh, here is where I think a lot of investment dollars and attentions are going to. I think that's a good indicator of where we will begin to see some impactful use cases. Every shipping and logistics company uh, today <clears throat> interfaces with their customers predominantly through email. Uh, it is not uncommon to find a million emails a month uh, from their customers uh, on a plethora of topics. It could be <clears throat> a, a shipping instruction, it could be a rate inquiry, it could be a service request, it could be an amendment request, it could be um, uh, an invoice dispute, it could be a claim, it could be a complaint. And uh, that is really the playground uh, that sets the opportunity for something like AI to create some sort of a recognizable pattern, direct the traffic uh, into the correct work streams, digitize and automate as much as possible. And of course, the exciting thing about chat GPT and generative AI, uh, it gives a possibility of using the large language models to interpret some of these messages, get the right information, and also serve it back to the customer. Uh, so, so that's where I believe uh, uh, it's a huge opportunity. Uh, and I alluded to this uh, when we uh, you know, started speaking. That is where uh, we at WNS are also making very big investments to create use cases uh, you know, we are starting with bookings and booking amendments, for example. Uh, the ability to turn around a booking request uh, much faster than it was done uh, manually and also to deal with booking amendments based on the information that's provided, I think would be a huge impact to the customer. And then you start going down that list. There are 12 or 15 other areas that you could deploy it. And uh, most companies are also uh, implementing and investing uh, in CRM solutions so that they can track uh, their customer interfaces. So the bridge between the input from the customer, the workflow engine in the middle, and then the final CRM uh, and uh, tracking of where they are with the customer experience is where all of this is going to have an impact. And as you can imagine, this is not going to replace human beings. This is going to make them far more effective. Yeah. And that's a challenge, Richard, which we see, um, you know, amongst um, all our offices across the world. We are working re on, on the replacement of our ERP. And there's one big challenge. The complexity of this world is not getting reduced by what customers want from us as a service. Uh, we are expanding the level of what services we, we can offer. Um, but the complexity for an operator should not increase because of the um, learning and, and training exercise we have to invest to. And that is as well by the existing business model uh, we, are, we are using or we are cooperating with WNS 
that's a that's a big challenge. New people come in and to get them really up to speed and make them uh, productive is a long lasting process at our side, probably longer than at your side, Jason. I know that from a, a visit in, in Nasik and the, uh, all the all the all the good explanation I got over there. But once again, we have um, one aim and I think in our industry, there's a lot of talk these days about the beloved emails. It is an animal. And it's an, an animal which is somehow very difficult to get controlled. And it's a big cost. That's uh, something people sometimes forget. I mean, all this data needs to be handled, needs to be understood, comprehended and handled. It needs to be stored. Um, we need to get rid of that. And a flow of information, as you already uh, uh, mentioned, it should be categorized. And I think ML can give us a big uh, you know, advancement on that. And Malcolm Pro is in discussion, Richard, amongst uh, WNS and EQ for a worldwide deployment. So there is already a very tangible project uh, in front of us. So both of you have talked about the, the human element here, and I think a lot of people would see AI as kind of getting rid of the human element. But but it it sounds like you need new skills and new talents to 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 come. Where do you get those skills from? Well, uh, sorry, go ahead, Richard. Sorry, um, well, on our side, really, uh, Richard, go, walking away from a typical uh, freight forwarding qualification, shipping line qualification, uh, in some locations means that we need to have people who can either go the extra mile, that means have the same fundamental uh, training in our industry, or are really from the IT side and uh, um, are, are somehow um, very much into work process definitions and the relevant translation into an IT scripting or hard coding. And that is an experience we took when we deployed RPA a couple of years ago. Uh, some people were actually asked to uh, you know, get into a deployment to learn that and to think it from a different way in order to build that extra process, which gives you a return if everything goes right. Um, RPA is probably not the best case for a good long-lasting automation, as we know. As soon as you change something on your main ERP system, the scripting might uh, not always be stable. But uh, it is already a use case for getting into a different level of technology. And you're right, it requires a different breed, a different education level of people we employ. I, I would add, uh, <clears throat> Richard, you know, obviously WNS is a very big employer. We have uh, 62,000 employees worldwide. Uh, and uh, what companies like EQLine, and which is also a global company, uh, you know, the best practice is really to find a partner uh, to work with, you know, and not, not try and solve everything in-house because they have core competencies about you know, uh, onboarding their customer and moving their freight and they have their core solutions there. Uh, your question, uh, to some degree, I'm already noticing, you know, we did, a, we have a big management trainee program and uh, no matter what we hire them for, you know, we're not hiring them for any expertise, you know, we want to groom them. What I'm noticing is there is inherently a much higher technological orientation uh, among the new breed of uh, employees that we are bringing into the company. Uh, it'll be, it's amazing to see how many of these young kids already can do some form of coding uh, and, uh, you know, which is very different from 
when I began 30 plus years ago and then Thomas, uh, you as well, it was a very different environment. So to some degree, we don't have to over engineer it. I think the orientation of the new workforce is far more technological savvy. And as some of the traditional legacy employees fade out and the younger ones come up, I think they will be far more friendly with technological solutions. I will also add the other dimension to the industry's challenge is that every company in this business has to fend for themselves, right? Because there is no common industry standards like the airlines have done or like the banks have done. This industry is stubbornly resistant to coming together to agree to a common set of standards. That, that kind of adds to the additional complexity of making sense. No amount of artificial intelligence is going to be successful when you have so much variation uh, and disparity. It's, it's, it makes it that much more challenging. A lot of people say maritime is, is far behind aviation in, in so many ways. Yes, obviously that's true um, for some to, to, to some degree, but it's not true all the way. I think we, we are catching up quite quickly. But Jason, I do want to ask about the maritime uh, side, um, ships and shipping. How will AI make itself felt in the maritime sector in the near future? Uh, interesting question. I, I think there are two aspects to that answer, Richard. One is the management of the physical assets, the ships, uh, you know, and all of that itself. They are talking about uh, autonomous ships at some point. I think there is some, uh, you know, I think it's less crowded compared to driving an autonomous car on busy streets. So there might be some value to that. Uh, there is also the whole gamut of predictive uh, 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 analytics and for maintenance and repair. I think that is going to make it uh, a lot more efficient to manage. Uh, but where it comes to information management, I think uh, there are some good opportunities in the whole load optimization vessel planning area, which has traditionally been a high-end skill, uh, and you typically employ people, you know, master mariners who have kind of done that, lived that life on board a ship who understand that well. I think that is extremely suited for uh, an AI uh, engine where you feed in all the constraints, you feed in the, you know, the details about the bay plan and it generates uh, the load uh, factor for uh, these ships and also the terminals. I think optimizing some of that would be uh, great areas, uh, you know, of opportunity. And of course, uh, for operators, it is the entire document management and information flow, which we already spoke about. Thank you for that. I want to circle back, Thomas, with you. Um, what are your expectations for the uh, evolution of AI in shipping and logistics? In terms of um, technology and what um, AI ML can take over? Yes. I think it will, um, and we have covered it to a certain extent already, it will take over uh, information management and making data much more transparent. We have unfortunately certain setbacks. If I look at the uh, development of blockchain our, in our industry and a company by the name of TradeLens being uh, you know, discontinued, that's a little bit of a setback. But setting standards as well as standards in terms of bringing forward information, reference numbers of particular shipments, that is all coming in patches. 
and every operator putting his hand on cargo has to start the game all over again. And I think a greater extent of collaboration, which in the airline industry, we, we mentioned it before, is possible and in place already for so long time needs to come. It might come uh, by some you know, bigger um, participants in the market, which have the resources to set certain standards and others have to follow, or we do that through any kind of association. But once again, um, standard setting, building and managing data, nevertheless, on you know the last leverage of doing decision-making processes, I still believe humans will play uh, a, a big role and, and, and it will take a while until that is getting challenged. So uh, still for young people, if they would ask me, is it worth it to, to join our industry, I would say, yes, it is a business, first of all, where we need to come to a certain level of pace, of development and, and in terms of using technology, but then as well beyond, there's enough space to improve and look at the cost of logistics. Uh, I mean, with more intelligent um, management of load factors, of combination of transport modes, there is still a lot of good things we can do, first of all, for for the uh, economical results of company, but as well for, for our environment. I think there's there's still waste which we can take out of the uh, of the system we are running. Final word to you, Jason. Um, time frame. So let's look um, two years ahead, five years ahead. How do you expect AI to to become more adopted? Uh, I'm I'm actually optimistic, uh, Richard, that we continue to uh, uh, advance this initiative. I think the uh, the the massive growth in uh, computing power uh, and the availability of large uh, big data are two game changers. Um, uh, but it's not going to be the science fiction kind of uh, scenario that I that I uh, you know anticipate. I think it's going to make a life a lot easier for the end customer. There would be much, much better access to information uh, and quicker responsiveness to visibility, track and trace, documentation requests from the customers. I think those would see uh, step changes. Uh, but at the same time, the industry is going to continue to expand. And uh, just like we had Brexit a couple of years ago that added a whole bunch of complexity, those new kinds of complexities will continue to evolve. You never know the geopolitical situations, the US versus China and all of those kinds of things, which is going to create levels of complexity that we haven't anticipated today, right? So it's going to be a little progress, a little step back, uh, but I think overall, I think it'll be all positive. So thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Thomas, for a fascinating conversation. I rather wish you hadn't bought Brexit into into this. That's a whole <laughs> new discussion. Um, look, as we've heard, artificial intelligence is no longer just for advanced businesses. Its benefits are starting to trickle down to uh, mid-level players. And, and while it, it will be a little while until the shipping and, and logistics sectors fully embrace such innovative technologies, the push towards decarbonisation is stimulating um, transparency, operational efficiency, uh, and most excitingly, as we've heard just now, the search for new skills and talent required to get the best out of AI. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Thomas. And thank you for listening to this Lloyd's List podcast. Thank you, Richard.
thank you very much thank you thomas